0: Ben, thank you for that. I appreciate that very much. All right. Well, if you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn in your Bible at this time to Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter number 5. And as you're finding that, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word if you're able to do so. Uh, Mark chapter number 5. <clears throat> We're going to finish Mark chapter 5 today, the Lord willing. That's the plan. And uh, we're going to do Mark chapter 5 and two, two Sundays. So last, uh, last Sunday we did verses 1 through 20. Today we're going to do verses 21 through verse 43. We're not going to read all, <coughs> all of those verses right this second. Uh, we're going to just read verses 21 through verse 23. And then as we go through the message, we'll look at all the other verses as we go through this. Um, but Mark chapter number 5 and verse 21. The Bible says this, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Lord, we're grateful again for your word. I pray, Lord, you'd use it now in our lives to help us um, to trust you, to have faith in you. uh, When we go through times of great need, I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to each and every heart uh, this morning pray that you would remove distractions from our minds and that we would be able to focus in on your word and your will for us. And uh, I do want to echo the prayer. If there's one here today that does not know you yet, um, as Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be that greatest day for them. Uh, May they come to Jesus and be born again. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, we've been going through the uh, Gospel of Mark and seeing our serving Savior hard at work as He goes around, not seeking to be served, but seeking ways to serve. And uh, Mark chapter number 5 is a very wonderful example and beautiful, powerful examples of Him uh, doing just that, serving others and doing great and mighty things for others. Uh, And uh, we... See here in Mark chapter number five, three very powerful miracles that took place, and we looked at one of them last Sunday as Jesus cast out the legion of devils out of that maniac and turned him from a maniac to a missionary, if you recall that. As I was thinking about miracles, and I was thinking about all the different miracles that are recorded in the Bible, and I was trying to figure out how many miracles there are in the Bible. And, uh, and one person kind of likened it to this, and I think this is a great example of this, is like looking into the night sky and looking at the stars and seeing the stars. You know, here in Oklahoma, there's a little light pollution, but uh, there's places here in Oklahoma you can go where there's not very much light around, and as you look up into the night sky, if it's a clear night, and, and you can look and see those stars, you'll at first glance see some of the big ones, the noticeable ones. The ones where the constellations are, and you'll see the Big Dipper, and you're like, I see some of those big stars out there. But as your eyes begin to adjust to the uh, to the night sky, you begin to notice all these clouds of sky of, of stars that start to uh, come into clarity. And you're like, Wow, there are so many stars out there. I remember doing this in Montana one night. We were on a men and boys campout. And we went out into a mountain that had no real civilization around, and and uh, sure enough, as nightfall came, we looked up, and you know, at first you see several stars, and then as you really begin to look and 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 dwell upon it, you start to really see the, the all the different stars that begin to uh, show up. And uh, as we look in the scriptures, we certainly see some of the big miracles that pop out right away. You see the you know, the, uh, the parting of the Red Sea. You see uh, some of these big uh, example uh, miracles that pop out. But then as you begin to really get your eyes focused on the Word of God, you'll get to see some other miracles that start popping up that uh, maybe you didn't notice before, that maybe aren't as bright as the other ones are, and not as popular or well-known. But as, as we get into the Word of God, you, you get to see some of these miracles in fact, it was uh, the Apostle John who uh, wrote, uh, wrote the Gospel of John, and at the, the very last verse of, that, of, of, his, of his book, uh, the book of John, in John chapter 21 and verse number 25, he says this, "...and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written." And he said, Amen. <laughs> To his own statement there. He said, Look, the things that Jesus did, the miracles that he performed, if we really took the time to record everything that he did, really honestly, the world could not contain all the volumes of books that could be written because there were so many miracles. Now, today, we're going to focus in on two of those bright miracle stars that we see in the Word of God that uh, are found here in this passage, in this last part of Mark chapter number 5. And, and really, this is a uh, these are two miracles that, that show up here, really a miracle within a miracle. And uh, we're going to explain that here in a moment. Now, once again, in verse number 21, we see a mob surrounding our serving Savior once again. Remember, he went to Decapolis, which was more of a Gentile area, but now... Since the people there did not want him there because of the change, the radical change that he made in that maniac and turned him into a missionary, they said, you, you depart from us. You get away from us. You're, we don't know what to do with you, so you just need to leave. Jesus can take a hint, and he does not force himself on anyone, and so he decides that he is going to go. In verse, number, um, in verse number 21, it says, And when Jesus was passed over, Again, by, shi- shi- by ship unto the other side. So here Jesus makes his trip back over to the other side. And uh, he goes back into the area that he had spent quite a bit of time in. And And uh, as they hear that Jesus is coming back, uh, a great throng of people uh, shows up. And verse 21 says, much people gathered unto him. And here in this passage, we're going to see two people in this uh, particular group of people that gathered themselves unto him who desperately needed a miracle in their life. And so this is the record of two miracles, a miracle within a miracle. Now here's a question for you today. Have you ever really needed a miracle in your life? Perhaps even today you are standing in need of the miracle working power of God in your life. Now, I can't promise necessarily that God will do exactly what you are hoping He will do. Uh, We can look at the record of these wonderful two miracles that Christ did perform here in Mark chapter number 5, verses 21 through verse 43, and learn several lessons for when we need a miracle in our lives. And again, you might be there right this very moment, needing the miracle touch of God. When you need a miracle is the title of the message today. Let's jump into it and look at some of these lessons. First of all, let's look at the despair. Uh, look at the despair. In verse number 22, the Bible says, out of this throng here, this group of people that were gathered together, this much people that was gathered unto him, the Bible says in verse 22, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. Now, Jairus, here was a man who was, as Mark records, was a ruler of the synagogue. Now, that meant he was not necessarily a priest or a rabbi, but instead more of a layman who was responsible for overseeing the worship services and the maintenance of the facilities there in the synagogue. Uh, But he had worked to get to that point, this was, uh, you know, he wasn't just a, uh, a regular tender or just a you know, a CEO Christian, Christmas and Easter only. Um, He was very faithful, and as a result, he ended up uh, becoming a ruler of the synagogue. And uh, his 12-year-old daughter, we find out later in this story that uh, his daughter was 12 years old, um, who was very sick, and it wasn't looking good. And he was desperate. He had a family medical emergency, and uh, there was nothing that anyone can do. I'm sure they tried everything they could, uh, but uh, I'm sure the doctor would said uh, there's I'm sorry but there's nothing more we can do. Uh, maybe we just uh, let her go. Well, jarius was desperate and he had tremendous despair. Uh, then we come and Keep reading here in verse number, uh, verse number 23, he says it, says, it besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Well, Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And here we meet the second individual who also was in tremendous despair. Verse 25, A certain woman, which had an issue of blood... 12 years. We're going to kind of find that uh, the, the, the number of the day is, is 12. Uh, the daughter was 12 years old, and here was a, a lady who had this, uh, this medical issue for 12 years. In verse number 26, she was in complete despair because look at this she had suffered many things of many physicians. And had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but actually rather grew worse. Everything they tried wasn't helping. In fact, everything they tried made things get worse. For 12 years, she was dealing with this issue, and she sought everybody under the sun that could possibly help, and to give her some answers, and there were just simply no answers. So here she was. She was bleeding, she was broken, and she was bankrupt. And completely out of options. Her condition also, by the way, uh, caused her to be an outcast of society. A Jewish law said that when you have this type of an issue, you are, not, you are not clean and you are not to be around anybody else. So for 12 years she was shunned and an outcast of society. And she was out of options and completely desperate read right about uh, the Thirty Years' War back in the 17th century. During this time, there was a German pastor, Paul Gerhardt, and his family. They were forced to flee from their home. Well, one night as they stayed in a small village inn, homeless and afraid, his wife eventually broke down and cried openly in despair because of the situation that they were in. Well, to comfort her, Pastor Gerhardt reminded her of Scripture promises about God's provision and and, uh, how God takes care of us and keeps us. But then, going out to the garden to be alone himself, he too broke down and wept. He had felt that he had come to his darkest hour. Soon afterwards... This pastor felt the burden lifted and sensed anew the Lord's presence in his life. And taking his pen, he wrote a hymn that has brought comfort to so many since he wrote it. The words go like this, give to the winds thy fears, hope and be undismayed. God hears thy sighs and counts thy tears. God shall lift up thy head, though waves and clouds and storms he gently clears the way. Wait thou his time, so shall the night soon end in joyous day. See, it is often in our darkest times that God makes his presence known most clearly. Typically, I don't draw very close to the Lord when everything is going just hunky-dory. It is during a trial, it is during a time of despair when I am drawn close to my Lord and realize and sense His presence like I don't when everything when I'm on the mountaintop. See, He uses our sufferings and troubles to show us that He is our only source of strength. And when we see this truth, like this pastor, we receive new hope. And so we see the despair in these two individuals, Jairus, because his daughter was uh, dying and was about to die and and he was desperate and wanted answers and and needed someone to heal. Her and no one else could. And then this woman who had spent 12 years, a dozen years, just no hope in sight. There was tremendous despair. Perhaps you are in a moment of despair as you look at a certain situation in your life and say, you know what? There is absolutely no way out of this. Well, it could be that uh, God has allowed this so that you will come to Him. In verse number 23, I like this, and where Jairus it says, He besought Him greatly, caused Him to come to Jesus, to follow at His feet, and to beseech Him, Greatly. So there was the despair, but then that led to number two here the dependence. See, the despair that these people had led them to do something about it. And notice that that despair led them to depend on Jesus to perform a miracle. Jairus, despite his status as a ruler of a synagogue, and remember the Jews, the leaders, the, the rulers there, uh, were not big fans of this newcomer named Jesus. And so for Jarius to leave his post as ruler of the synagogue, to go and, and do this elaborate display in front of everybody, because Jarius no doubt as the ruler of synagogue, was well known. Everybody knew who he was. But he gets down and makes this big show and display of humility and uh, Realization that, hey, I need someone to do something in my daughter's life. But it, he doesn't just come to Jesus, he fell at his feet. Verse number uh, 22 says, When he saw him, he fell at his feet. Now, typically, Jairus was used to people submitting to him as the ruler of the synagogue. I mean, people, uh, he was a leader there, and people would do what he instructed them to do. But now he is humiliating or humbling himself, I'm sorry, humbling himself to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, I need you to do something. And uh, when we're in a place of complete despair, that's causes us hopefully to bow down in humility to the Lord. The woman, what about this woman? Did she depend upon the Lord? She did. In verse number 27, it says, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. There's tremendous faith in that, that, hey, I don't, even, I don't even have a conversation with him. If I can just simply touch the hem of his garment, then I'll be clean. Back to Jairus again. He had tremendous faith as well. In verse number uh, 23 at the end of it, he says, Come and lay thy hand on her that she may be healed and she shall live. If, if you would just come, I know that you can heal her. I, I, I know, I believe, I depend upon you. There was a recognition and a hope in each of them that Jesus could do what no one else could. Perhaps you're in a situation like that where you're like, man, there is just no human way out of this. Maybe it's a physical issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a spiritual issue. Maybe it's uh, a work issue. And there's just, you cannot see a way out, and there's, there's, there's no one person that you can ask to go and fix it. There's no magic button. You can't go to Staples and get the, uh, the button that says, that was easy. Uh, you can't do that. There is no, there's no way out, and you need a miracle. These people were in that boat, and uh, they came to the Lord Jesus asking him to do a miracle, and they depended upon him. On Sunday, March 6th, 1881, so this is a while back, there was a boat that wrecked off the north coast of Scotland. Fishermen on shore made several attempts to get a line on board. but The wind was too strong. They eventually succeeded uh, by using an empty barrel. They sent this barrel along, uh, this rope from shore to this shipwreck. There were 11 men on board, but only four or five were able to do anything, the remainder being helpless from the cold. Well, as soon as the apparatus was in working order for the traveling cage, which was to be drawn along the rope, one young sailor was put into it, and a few minutes found him on the shore in the hands of kind friends. This man was helped. Uh, he could not save himself, but this apparatus was, willing to, was able to save him. Well, the first man was scarcely saved when, th- through the tide and the wind, the ship was swung around among the rocks, and the traveling apparatus became entangled across her bow. Her bow was rendered unmanageable. So now there's no way out. There's no escape for the others that are still left in the boat. Well, the man descended from the vessel and tried to save himself by coming along the rope hand over hand. I can do it by myself. But alas, such an attempt was useless. The waves were beating over him like falling houses, and the poor fellow had gone but a little distance from the ship when the heavy seas swept over him, and in a few seconds he dropped into the surging waves. A few moments after this, the bow of that ship lifted again over the rocks, and soon the apparatus was disentangled again and workable. All the others were safely brought to shore. When the captain was asked about the lost man, he said, we tried to persuade him not to attempt such a useless task as it would be impossible for him to reach the shore in that way, but he would not listen to us. Fine fellow he was, added the captain, the best man in the crew, but he was lost because he tried to save himself in his own way. Yes, all the rest were saved, but by other hands than their own. Human powers are wholly inadequate for salvation. To rely upon them is to invite and ensure spiritual disaster. Here's the deal. Jairus and this woman were desperate. They couldn't save themselves. They couldn't fix the issue that they were in on their own. They needed someone else. And that's a picture of all of us, by the way, spiritually speaking, when it comes to our sin. You can try to save yourself all you want, but guess what? It's all, your best efforts are going to lead you to a place called hell. We cannot save ourselves. There's only one way to be saved, and that's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because He came to provide that way of escape. He's the only one that can rescue us from our sin. The desperation of Jairus and the woman led them to stop trying themselves any longer, but to trust and depend on the Lord of glory to help. They realized they needed someone greater than themselves to bring about real healing. To those who are trying to save yourself, just know that you simply cannot save yourself. can't be done. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna work harder and try to do more good works and be more faithful to church and read the Bible more. By the way, the more you read the Bible, you're gonna learn you can't save yourself. <laughs> and if you're saved and you need a miracle, uh, do what uh, Jairus and this woman did: recognize that it may be out of your hands and put it into His hands. And that's what they did. They said, "Lord." We're going to trust you. We're going to depend upon you. Then I want us to see here, number three here, not only their despair and the dependence, but I want us to look, number three, at the delay. The delay. Uh, verse number 23, Jarius makes his appeal, and it's uh, no doubt emotional. I have a 12-year-old daughter. She's in good health. If she was not and she was at the point of death, I can guarantee there would be some tears. I can guarantee there would be some despair in my life and in my my tone of voice. So verse 23, he makes his appeal. My little daughter, lieth at the point of death, I pray thee, please come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and, and, and she shall live. So verse 24, Jesus went with him. Much people, And much people followed him and thronged him. Now as Jesus starts going with them, he I, I doesn't record here what Jesus said, but I, it was probably just, I don't know that he said anything. He was like, lead the way. And Jairus must have been so encouraged that Jesus was going to go to his house and lay his hand on this little daughter and, and, and raise her up and, and, and heal her. He was so encouraged as they start making their way. But then notice here in verse number 25. So Jesus went with him and Jairus is following along and uh, he's encouraged because, hey, there's hope. Jesus is coming to my house and and, and, and he's going to do a miracle. But verse 25, a certain woman, which had an issue of uh, blood 12 years, and we've already talked about her. And verse number 27, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind, touched his garment. If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Verse 30, and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said. So he was walking along, everything was hunky-dory, Jarius was encouraged, all things were going well, and then all of a sudden, Jesus stops. Turns around and says, "Who just touched me?" And Jairus is like, "No, no, 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 no! We, we got to keep going. We got to, got to get to my house. Um, my daughter, remember, she's she's about to die. We we don't have much time, Jesus. We don't have time to stop and ask a question. Who just touched me? Uh, that's silly. Because what do you mean? Who just touched your clothes? You're in a big throng of people. Oh, everybody's touching. I mean, it was not socially distant." They did not have the COVID restrictions. (coughs) Who touched my clothes? What do you mean? That's a silly question. Everybody's touched your clothes. He said, no, no. It wasn't on accident. There's a difference between this, as you're walking along. Oops, sorry. Hey, that's for missing church two weeks in a row, man. So glad he's finally back. There's a difference between that and And see, as Jesus was going in this big crowd, there was a lot of people that were bumping into him and brushing against his clothes. But there was one who touched him, touched his clothes on purpose with faith. Well, that caused him then to stop in his tracks and say that question, "Who asked that question, who touched my clothes? And his disciples have this conversation with, and ask this question back, Verse thirty one: Thou seest the multitude thronging me, and and sayest thou, Who touched me? It is interesting how Mark makes the uh, the differentiation between thronging and touching. There was a there was a difference there, and the Bible says he looked around round about to see her that had done this thing. He knew who it was. He knew it was a her. In verse 33 but the woman fearing and trembling knowing what was done in her came fell down before him and told him all the truth now can you imagine this this little conversation probably wasn't a 30 second conversation for her to tell all the truth i imagine she said oh jesus i've had this i've had this medical issue for 12 years i've been to this doctor i've been to that doctor i've been to that hospital and that you know the greatest you know, in the country, the greatest doctor that deals with this in the country, and, and nothing's worked, and she goes on and on and on sharing her story. And Jerry is just sitting there going, this is, this is great and all, but uh, can, we, uh, can we get this thing moving? I've got a daughter who needs to be healed and, 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 and lady, I'm, I'm glad you're all healed and all better now, but can we get this train going again? But The train stopped just like it does here and more all the time. <laughs> and uh, I remember th- this morning, um, I usually go up telephone, take a ride on main and uh, come over the railroad tracks and on Sunday mornings, that's usually not a problem. Well, I was sitting at a light Uh, at 19th and telephone, and it was just red, 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 red. It wasn't changing. And I'm like, fine, I'm going to turn here on 19th. And I went under. Well, lo and behold, there was a train coming. And I was like, praise the Lord. Lord, you help me not have to stay at this dumb train (laughs) Uh, today. So, but uh, here, Jarius, I can just, I'm putting myself in his sandals. I mean, I'm in a hurry to go see my daughter get better. And Jesus is my only hope. And, and as long as he gets there in time, everything will be just fine. But now there's a delay. And uh, this lady goes on and on in her story, and I, she told him all the truth. And it was probably like, okay, can we wrap this story up? Land the plane, lady. We got to go. And there was a delay. Uh, maybe you, like Jarius. Uh, you have asked God for a miracle and you believe, like Jarius did, that he is indeed able to do so. But he doesn't seem to be working fast enough for you. And there is a divine delay in the miracle process. You know, we're a fast food society. We're a drive through society, a microwave society, where we push a button and we expect things to happen right away. I think about the Internet. Remember, uh, twenty years ago, you know, dial up. I remember working in California. Uh, we couldn't. We couldn't both. There, only one computer could be on the internet at one time. And uh, my 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 pastor would would send me a message and say, "Are you on the internet?" And I was like, "Um, yes, but I can get off so that you can get on to do some study." And uh, you remember those days? We're not used to that. We, I was thinking about this, uh, Miss Rebecca and I, we were trying to print these bulletins up on Friday, and uh, it was a test of our patience, wasn't it? <laughs> we didn't do so good on, our, on the test, either. These were taken like a minute to three minutes each to print, and we have more than two to print. So, we're like, come on, would you print already? Um, if you're an IT guy and you kind of know why it's doing that, come see me after the service. I'd love to talk to you. <laughs> um, but look, it was frustrating. Many times, though, I was, I was thinking about that in relation to Jarius here. We can get frustrated with the Lord too when we're waiting on him to work. We're like, God, I, I asked you to do something, and uh, it's already been five minutes. I don't see anything happening yet. Like, what's taking so long? And Jairus is over here going, okay, we we need to get moving. Why are you stopping here? Don't you remember? First come, first serve. I asked you first, Lord. Like, why are you giving so much time to this lady? We got to go. My daughter's about to die. Uh, Can I remind you, though, that... uh, God is not our little genie in a bottle that he's supposed to, you know, do our every beck and call exactly how we want it and when we want it done. He he doesn't come out and say, all right, what's your wish? Poof, it's done. That's not the way God works. Remember the parables that uh, we learned, we we studied in Mark chapter number four about the, the planting process You don't plant a seed and then go three minutes later, come on, what's taking so long? I want my corn right now. I want to pop some popcorn. Come on. It takes time. and God doesn't work on our timetable either. Here in America in 2021, we are on a fast-paced society. I mean, we got got access to information uh, at the tip of our fingers with our phones now. And uh, we expect God to work in that same time frame. Can I remind us, this is a good reminder for me, but uh, I'd like to share the reminder with you as well, that God is always right on time. He's never late and he's never early. He's always right on time. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You say, well, I think he was too late. Uh, You're not God. (laughs) And neither am I. He is. And uh, his ways are not always the same ways that we would choose, but... They are the right ways. As I was thinking through this passage here, I I was reminded of when the Lord did something very similar, Jesus did something very similar when Lazarus was sick in John chapter 11. If you remember that, uh, uh, the people came and told Jesus that Lazarus was sick and that that Jesus' healing services were were needed and required and requested. Could you please come and, and heal Lazarus? What did Jesus do? Did he go, okay, all right, well, let's go. Everybody, right now, everybody, let's hurry up. No, actually, the Bible says he lingered where he was for two more days. And there was a delay. So can I encourage all of us this morning to not get impatient with God? Remember Abraham and Sarah were promised a child? And then they're kind of like the years are ticking by and Sarah's getting past the age of childbearing and it's like, you know what? God must have forgotten about this. He's taking too long. I know what we'll do. We're going to help God out. We're going to be a blessing to the Lord and help him out. Take matters into our own hands. Well, then Ishmael was born. And uh, he... That whole thing has caused problems ever since. Don't take matters into your own hands. Trust the Lord when there is a delay. This is why David wrote these words in Psalm 27 and verse 14. I would encourage you to at least write down the reference and maybe even hide this verse in your heart. David said this Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. And then he ends the verse by saying this. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So twice in that verse, we're called to be patient with the Lord. He will work it out. He will make things right. You say, well, yeah, he didn't, he didn't heal my loved one. They died. Well, That happened to Jairus too. And let's go here to number four and look at this. And that is the doubt. The doubt. Let's pick it up in verse number 35. Uh, Let's go back up here in verse 33. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came, fell down before him, and told him all the truth, causing more delay. But Jesus said unto her, daughter. That's a precious word right there. He said, you know what? You're part of my family now. You've been an outcast for 12 years, but no longer. You're now part of my family. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. By the way, he was basically saying, you're whole. You're clean again. Now you can be part of society as well as part of my family. A lot of truth in all of this that I don't have time to get into too much. But then verse 35, here we go. While he yet spake those words, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, it's too late, thy daughter is dead. You don't need to trouble the master any further. He said, it's over. And Jairus, in one aspect, he was kind of like, we need to hurry up. In another aspect, I'm sure, as he's watching this, he's going, Wow, he was able to heal this woman of 12 years of this disease with just her touching the hem of his garment. I mean, this is amazing. He's got tremendous power. And so I'm sure it probably bolstered his faith a little bit. Then that was dashed when that servant came and said, "Uh, it's too late, she's gone. And he said, I knew it. If we would have gotten there in time, if this lady hadn't interrupted things, maybe, maybe we would have gotten home and, and maybe Jesus would have had the opportunity to heal my daughter. But it's over now. And there was doubt. Now before we become too critical of Jairus, remember that up to this point, up to this point, Jesus had not yet raised the dead. We know that he raises the dead. But if you back up in your mind to where Jairus was, where he had never done that yet, you might be doubting too. You might be thinking, yeah, there is absolutely no hope anymore. He had healed a man sick of the palsy. He had cast out demons. He had healed a man with a withered hand. He had calmed a storm. And just last week, we mentioned how he cast a legion of devils out of a man and radically changed him and made him a missionary. But up to this point, Jesus had never raised the dead. So, as he receives the news that it was too late that his precious 12 year old daughter had died, there was immediate sadness and a doubt that anything could be done now. But Jesus recognizes that doubt and that fear all over Jairus' face. I imagine his countenance completely dropped. And so he says in verse number 36 Look here. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid. Only believe. Five words, probably not five literal words that Jesus spoke, but five words in in, in my Bible here. Be not afraid, only believe. By the way, what a great message for us today in the day in which we live. Be not afraid, only believe. As we look at what's going on in our society today, Jesus tells us to be not afraid only believe. As you consider your financial hardship, Jesus says to you, be not afraid, only believe. As you consider your family situation that is very daunting, and it doesn't look like there's any hope for restoration or uh, for it to be solved, Jesus says to you, be not afraid, only believe. As you think about your health challenges that you may be going through, listen to the words of Jesus. Be not afraid, only believe. As you think about the future of America and the economy and and, uh, all that's going on in this world, what should we do? We need to prep and prep and prep and prep. There's a bunch of preppy people out there in our world today. I'm not against prepping, but Jesus says this: "Be not afraid, only believe." See, there was a doubt there, and Jesus combed that doubt with some words of comfort: "Be not afraid, only believe." Jairus, we're going to give. I'm going to give him a pass because again, Jesus had not risen the dead up to that point, so he didn't have all of that we have in the New Testament. So. Jairus, we'll give him that as his excuse. But, uh, brother and sister, those of us who have the completed Word of God, what's my excuse and what's yours? When we begin to doubt God in the midst, when things go from bad to worse, what's our excuse? We have the Word of God, we have the completed canon of Scripture, we have the record of What's, happening, what's going to happen to Jairus' daughter here in a moment? What's my excuse and what's yours? There was doubt. But then, praise the Lord, number five, we'll end with this thought here, and there is deliverance. Verse 29, back up into that one, kind of walking through both of these miracles together, but verse 29, as soon as she touched, that woman did, she touched the hem of his garment... The Bible says, straightway. There's Mark again, one of his favorite words. Straightway, immediately, right away, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Immediately, there was healing that was brought in, and the Lord delivered her from that disease. Now, going back and following this story here in verse uh, of Jairus and his daughter, going back into verse 37. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult. And them that wept and wailed greatly. Back in those days, they would hire people and have people to come and and cry and wail uh, as part of the mourning process. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. they laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. Now, if I just knew a 12-year-old girl that I could use for an illustration here. Oh, I just so happen to have one. Faith, if you would go ahead and come on up to the platform. So as Jairus has a 12-year-old daughter who's nigh unto death, definitely my heartstrings are pulled because... I have a daughter who's 12 years old. I couldn't imagine her being nigh unto death. So I completely understand the despair that Jarius is having there. So she's laying down. And so let me go ahead and pull this over. So everybody could see. Hopefully everybody can see that. So Jairus' daughter is on this bed, and she's dead. She had died. It was too late. The Lord took too long to get there. Or did he? They laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, verse 40 says, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel. If only I had a mother of this daughter that could come up and help me (laughs) with this illustration too. This way, it'll keep you awake, you know. So if you want to pop around this way. And so Jesus takes mom and dad, who are, you can imagine, very distraught, just losing their 12-year-old daughter. She's gone. And so they come into this room. Verse 40 it says, and he took the damsel by the hand. She's dead, so you're dead. Oh, the dead is moving her hand. That's kind of (laughs) creepy. Okay. We didn't really rehearse this, so. But he took her by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And I love what the Bible says in verse 42. And straightway, again, Mark's favorite word here. Straightway the damsel arose and walked. So she was completely dead. But Jesus was able to take her by the hand and say those words, A little girl, arise. And she immediately arises and begins to walk. So walk a little bit. Okay, there you go. So she's walking. Okay, now... It says, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were, verse 42 says, astonished. But not, a, not, that was fake astonishment there. But it wasn't just astonishment. It says they were astonished with a great astonishment. So thank you. That's a little better. But Mark puts emphasis and uses that word twice, astonishment, with great astonishment. And then he charges them, Jesus does, that no man should know it. Remember last week we mentioned when they were in the Gentile area? Go ahead and spread it around. But when he's in a Jewish area, he says, we don't need to go and broadcast this. We don't need to make her um, you know, a carnival sideshow. Like, let's show her off as Exhibit A of doing, God doing great miracles. And uh, we're charging $5 to come and meet the girl who Jesus raised. You know, come right this way. He, he didn't want that to happen. And so he said, let's, let's keep it quiet. But then I like this in verse number 43. And commanded that something should be given her to eat. <laughs> we know this was a Baptist family here. Um, so it was like Jesus said... She looks hungry. Let's get her some. Let's get her some Doritos and some Pop Tarts and some cereal or whatever. Um, some good Baptist food. Some chips and salsa. All right. Thank you. You guys may be seated. Thank you for helping so so well. Especially appreciate the astonishment gestures. I'm astonished at your great acting abilities. So in this chapter, chapter number 5, we have seen that, the, that Jesus has power to deliver men from devils, power to deliver people from disease, and praise the Lord, He has power to deliver people from death. Once again, all of these miracles were pointing to the fact that He came to do all of those things for us spiritually, to deliver us from our sin. In the Old Testament, we learn how God over and over again would deliver His people. Remember when He delivered His people from the bondage of Egypt? when he delivered Gideon and his 300 men from the Midianite army of 135,000 men? Remember when he delivered the three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace and how he delivered Daniel from the den of lions and on and on it goes? See, God was very much in the delivery business. But this was all pointing to the day when he would deliver us from our sin through the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 10 says, Who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. There's a song that is in our hymnal, and it goes like this, Tis the grandest theme through the ages rung. Tis the grandest theme for a mortal tongue. Tis the grandest theme that the world e'er sung, our God is able to deliver thee. "'Tis the grandest theme, let the tidings roll, to the guilty heart, to the sinful soul. Look to God in faith, He will make thee whole. Our God is able to deliver thee." He is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver thee. Though by sin oppressed, go to Him for rest. Our God is able to deliver thee. Jairus and this woman learned that day that God is able to deliver them. And again, Those are great things, but ultimately, it's all to point to the fact of the greatest miracle of all was when we are saved from our sin. On our own, we're hopeless. No man can help us. In fact, all they can do is make things worse. There's only one hope. There's only one way to be set free. Only one way to be spiritually healed. Only one way to be made alive, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way. So if you are yet unsaved, I urge you to come to Jesus today. If you're standing in need of a miracle, choose to depend upon the Lord and refuse to doubt, even if there's a delay. The n- number of the day is 12. Uh, when I was 12 years old, and I was hoping to be done by 12 p.m., we're pretty close. We'll be done here in just a quick moment. It'll be 12 something when we're done. Um, when I was 12 years old was when the greatest miracle of all took place when I placed my faith and called upon the Lord Jesus to be my Savior. That's the ultimate miracle. When you need a miracle, there might be somebody in here this morning who needs the miracle of salvation. God will not delay in that one. If you call upon Him, if you trust Him and place your faith in Him, He will immediately save you. There's no delay in that one. But the other miracles, there perhaps could be a delay. When there is, don't don't start doubting. Don't start thinking that uh, God didn't hear you. Um, He's going to do it in His time and in His way. When you need a miracle, you might need one today. If you need the miracle of salvation, today is the day of salvation. Problem is, the Lord's not going to delay on that one, but many times we delay to come to Jesus. Don't delay anymore. Today's the day. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this record in the gospel of Mark of a miracle within a miracle that teaches us what we need to know when we need a miracle. Lord, I pray that uh, we would understand the despair, and realize that we can't do it ourselves, And Lord, may we come to you with our needs, realizing and trusting that you can indeed take care of these needs. Lord, there's going to be times of delay, and we're going to start to doubt. But Lord, help us to not do that. Help us, Lord, to continue trusting and depending upon you. Lord, we thank you for the deliverance that you did there in Mark chapter number 5. But most of all, we thank you for the deliverance that took place in our lives, those of us who are believers. And Father, I pray that uh, you would deliver those from their sin today who are in this room or perhaps listening online who are not yet saved. I pray, Lord, they would depend upon you for their eternal salvation. And then, Lord, those of us who have, help us to depend upon you for all the other needs that come into our life, knowing that you are well able to handle those just as well as you were able to handle our salvation. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed today, and I'm going to have uh, Miss Pat play through this song. And as she does, I want to give you a.